Tech is a bi-weekly podcast exploring the intersections of technology and ministry. It is part of the podcast network sponsored by Wells, the Wisconsin Evangelical Lutheran Synod. Our show today is hosted by Martin Spriggs and Sally Draper. Welcome back, everybody, to Wells Tech. This is episode 685, and we're recording on Tuesday, July 12th, 2022. Show about technology and ministry. My name is Martin Spriggs, and I am joined, as always, by Sally Draper. Hello, Sally. Hi, Martin. Happy to join you. I have a quiz for you today. You ready? Oh, oh no. She did not warn me about this. <laughs> it's an acronym quiz. Do you know what DCI stands for? DCI. Well, Correct. it could be a lot of different things. Sure, it could. The one I'm no. thinking of, though. <laughs> <laughs> the deep into the mind of Sally Draper. <laughs> Dedicated computer interface. It has uh, nothing to do with computers. It stands for <laughs> Drum Corps International. Yes. Oh. I'm so excited because tonight, right here in little old Mankato, Minnesota, is the, let's see what they're calling it, the Thunder of Drums. Doesn't that sound exciting? That I'm going to see some loud. DCI tonight. Have you ever been to see Drum Corps International events? I have seen drum and bugle corps events. My, both my brother and sister were in uh, high school band and drum and bugle corps, and uh, that was pretty cool. Yeah. That's neat. Um, you know what day it is as well? I don't. It's Prime Day. Oh, that's right. I knew that. It's funny because I didn't know. I haven't been to Amazon lately, and then the news is like reporting this, like how did oh, Amazon get it's it like to be a, a news a event? Holiday, right? Really? Yeah. <laughs> so, but for tech stuff, that's actually a, a nice day to put on your calendar because they do discount, especially like home automation stuff, you know, the echoes and all that other good stuff. So um, mm -hmm. I've been searching for deals. I haven't found anything yet, but we'll see. Yeah, I did see something flash across my screen about fire TVs for $99. So uh -huh. that seemed pretty, pretty affordable. I'm a fan of fire TVs. Yeah, they're good stuff. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. I guess we should get on with the show. We'll have fun tonight. Is it, you said it was tonight? At the... It is. Okay. Um, but what's neat is the reason I figured it out is because we went walking last night and all of a sudden we were here in drum corps. Ah. So apparently one of the practice fields is close to us and they're doing a lot of um, <laughs> yeah. warm ups and practicing. So I have my window open today and every once in a while wafting through the air, I'll get a wall of sound and it's just okay. getting me ready. That's Very cool. excited. Good. Yeah. Hopefully you have good weather for that. Mm-hmm. Should be fun. We had our own thunder last night, but uh, of of uh, God's origin. So that's okay. always okay. We've got sunshine. So okay, very good. Uh, Sally, what are we doing today? 
Well, we're back to enhancing ministry with technology. That's our summer series. Uh, each summer, we usually take a bit of a lighter uh, take on Wealth Tech, uh, not quite all the normal segments that we cover during the regular school year. Um, and this summer, we chose this topic actually to kind of help Martin out because Martin's developing a, uh, yes. a course for uh, graduate studies at Martin Luther College, and it's going to be titled just that, Enhancing Ministry with Technology, and uh, seems like a really good fit for Wealth Tech and our listeners to kind of uh, help develop that course for you, Martin. Yes, and we've been through now, this will be our fourth topic. Um, we started with project management, then talked about data management. Personal knowledge management was last week. And a familiar topic, uh, one of, uh, I think, things that are a topic that is very appropriate for summertime, especially PLNs personal learning network. Sometimes they're called professional learning networks. I've seen them both ways, but uh, PLNs are what we're talking about. Sally, what is a PLN? Well, this that's is my a great quiz question. for you. <laughs> it's a great question. And There's I your own to have acronym a YouTube right video. back at you. <laughs> I, I would defer to the YouTube video, which explains it better uh -huh. than I do. But um, I will say that it's a way to uh, network with all types of people in a space that you're interested in. So it could be around education. It could be around particular hobbies or areas of business, whatever it may be. Um, but growing your knowledge by learning with and from others, and uh, especially in this day and age, using technology to assist with that networking effort. So things like Twitter to Pinterest to all kinds of tools we'll talk about today um, can be used to help you um, network and learn and grow with others and kind of take your knowledge and take it to another level even as you um, uh, work together with others and um, explore topics with them. So, yep. And uh, I think one good way to attack this is to uh, shamelessly steal an outline from a very good resource <laughs> out there from the Teacher Challenge Edu blog. We'll obviously put a, uh, a link in the show notes, but it's entitled Building Your PLN. And I think they've done a nice job of connecting the seven steps uh, that maybe would walk us through what a PLN is and how to create one or take it to the next level. So they start with what a PLN is, and there's actually a nice little paragraph there that uh, talks about it, but I think maybe in a sentence, it's the term, they call it, the, the, they're talking about PLN, this term was used to describe a network of people and resources that support ongoing learning. So that kind of captures all of those. And um, that's a, a very simple, simplistic definition for what can be a very um, wide ranging, large scope of uh, everyday life for, for a teacher or pastor or, or anybody who is looking to uh, get smarter in whatever industry or area ministry they're working in. Yeah, I think it's um, pretty easy to say that we can go read books and we can um, use other resources we have at our disposal to learn things. I think that's, that's definitely mm -hmm. true. Um, but 
that whole aspect of introducing other people into the equation and discussing things and, and taking things they've learned and expanding on those to go further. Um, That's what makes PLNs so powerful and so different than just, Oh, I'm going to do this on my own and, and without any contact with the world kind of thing. The other component that I think is really interesting, Martin, is that this is the kind of um, higher order thinking that we want our own students to do if, if we're mm-hmm. teaching. And so by putting ourselves through the paces, we're learning ways to grow those skills um, to be able to assist our students as they research and, and expand their knowledge. Yep. You've got on the screen there, those of you that are following along at home, uh, a great, uh, maybe a little bit more expanded description PLN consists of relationships between individuals where the goal is enhancement of mutual learning. The currency, I like the, the way they phrase that, the currency of the PLN is learning in, it's learning in the form of feedback, insights, documentation, new contacts, or new business opportunities. It's based on reciprocity and a level of trust that each party is actively seeking value-added information for the other. So it really is not just a consuming exercise. It is a collaboration, a contribution. Yeah, there's, uh, there's an activity involved. So, uh, and that's the way you learn the best. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think part of, for me, at least kind of synthesizing learning is, is putting thoughts down on paper or digital paper as it may be, but actually collecting your thoughts and being able to explain it to someone else or Mm -hmm. come up with new ideas based on that. That's when learning really gets concrete in my brain at least. And so this fits really well with um, just a powerful way to um, enhance what you're learning. Yep. The next step in, you know, this article is uh, making connections and they've got a nice graphic there. So we'll put the, obviously you can get this in the, in the show notes too, but they talk about the typical networked teacher where you've got curriculum and colleagues, of course, and media and uh, printed resources, et cetera. And then they show a description or a graphic of the network teacher, and it's about 10 times as big, and it includes those same things, but it also includes blogging and social bookmarking and social media and chat and video conferences and wikis and blogs and you know on and on and on. It, it, because we live when we live, this is, uh, this is much more doable and a much more enhanced experience. Yeah, definitely. Martin, I'm hearing just a little bit of breakup. So hopefully that's not being picked up on the audio recording. Um, but having all these digital tools at our disposal is definitely, um, a pretty amazing time to live in. I don't think we could have been as connected were it 30 years ago or whatever. So, um, that makes personal learning, learning networks that much more effective. I, I read some examples as I was perusing different things and, you know, connecting with a teacher in Morocco to have your yep. classes, you know, contribute uh, to each other and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, it's a big world out there and you can make connections, make it a lot smaller um, with a personal learning network. Mm-hmm. 
Step three in this article uh, is kind of the favorite son of PLNs, so to speak, and that's Twitter. Um, Twitter just brings a lot to the table in a couple of different ways. Obviously, it is um, very easy to use. It is somewhat universal. Uh, everybody has access to it. And uh, you have some powerful tools around it. So you can, uh, one of the tools that I like to use with Twitter are Twitter lists, for instance. So you can curate a list of people to follow that are around a particular topic. So if you are a social studies teacher, or if you are a uh, science teacher, or you know, some other discipline, you can pick and choose those people that are of interest and provide value to you. And uh, that's one of the, the powers of Twitter. And with some of these clients, you kind of have a much richer experience where you can see images and videos. And uh, now that they allow longer tweets, that, uh, that makes it a little bit more usable as well. Right. And I can remember being new to Twitter. If there are people listening that are new and maybe a little intimidated or aren't quite sure how this goes, um, I will just say that on the other side of that, once you get engaged and follow people that that are in your space that you want to follow, um, it's so nice to go there and just peruse the feed that's available because mm-hmm. it it's just um, it, it's a big mashup of just a whole lot of different topics and and ideas and voices that are out there um, in that area that is of your interest. So yep. I think it's a really powerful um, feed to to jump into. Yeah, and you've got a great uh, graphic up on the screen, the anatomy of a tweet, and there is more than just you know, the so many characters that you're allowed, there is linking and there are hashtags and images and comments and retweets and then direct messages. And that's kind of step four, where you can have these one-to-one communications with people of interest. And I think both of us have had experiences where we we uh, retweet something and then somehow we connect with a person that we'd never met before about the topic that they're interested in and it enriches the experience as well. Definitely. So um, there are other steps in this list that have to do with Twitter as well. Um, Step four is participating in Twitter chats, which is one of the more powerful things that you can do as you're using Twitter. You use kind of adopt a particular hashtag follow that hashtag and comment and add to things in that hashtag. And oftentimes people will set up a particular time that they're going to be chatting on a particular topic. And uh, Twitter's just really nice for kind of meeting up around a topic with a particular hashtag. Mm-hmm. Yep. And um, this is nothing new. We've done this for our own conferences, the education conference that you were just at a couple of weeks mm-hmm. ago, you had a hashtag and, you know, there were people posting to that. So it's easy to follow along with an event, even though you can't be there. And some of those live on as well. So mm-hmm. very true. step number five, using blogs as part of your PLN. And this gets back to not just consuming, but also contributing uh, obviously, blogs are more long form and maybe better suited for um, reference articles or things that you know, you, concepts that you want to develop a little bit more. But I think one of the values for teachers or pastors or anybody in ministry is if you are planning something, whether you're writing a Bible study or a lesson plan or whatever, to use a blog, a more public place 
to document it, you're not only saving it for yourself, so, so your second brain, but you're also sharing it for somebody else to both take advantage of, or maybe even enhance or make suggestions for improvement. And that's where you get into that reflection type activities. Mm-hmm. So you're not just consuming constantly, but you're taking time to, to build off of the ideas, reflect on them, um, share your own thoughts and kind of grow that. And then if you want, you could tweet a link to it to bring them to the blog post, which is longer than what you could just share on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What's number six? Well, that's a good question. Number six is probably the pinnacle. It's called Mm -hmm. using curation tools as a connected educator and kind of starts with what exactly is content curation, um, which is a great, um, a great thing to actually contemplate good curation skills. We want that for our students as well, but a person that takes the time and sifts through a lot of different material and comes to a further conclusion that maybe isn't obvious if you um, are just looking at one or two sources of information on a topic. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, And there's, this is where you get into all the fun tools, you know, that are out there. Mm -hmm. Uh, And one of these will be my new favorite application, (laughs) and it'll be a pick that I share a little bit later. Uh, But things that we've talked about in the past, like Digo, um, Flipboard, Pinterest, things that you can uh, not just gather content, but give it some context, put them in buckets, give them tags, maybe annotate, um, you know, those kinds of things that, that maybe create um, a story or create uh, or make sense of disparate resources. And uh, that's where these curation tools uh, really shine as they allow you to do that. Then of course, sharing them. Right. And they boil it down to three basic steps related to content curation, Uh, reading different resources, Mm -hmm. editorializing. I don't know if I said that right. (laughs) Um, So um, coming up with your own annotations to it or selecting favorite quotes, summarizing, Mm. um, connecting it to other work. And then step three, sharing uh, what you've gleaned from the information that you've um, been studying. So that's where you could get into writing the blog post or use using Pinterest or whatever your favorite tool of choice is uh, to share um, maybe something further or beyond just the individual resources alone. And that's where PLNs intersect with PKM. So your personal learning network can take advantage of your personal knowledge management approach where you're taking content and doing something with it. You are coming up with an original idea or putting things together, you know, that maybe nobody else has put together. You're, you're, you're a creator, not just a curator. So, um, Mm -hmm. and that's where, where things get very interesting. Yeah. This series actually has a lot of great examples of people, you know, uh, having basically tweets and things where they've created their own, Uh, take on something and show examples with images and tweets or um, whatever it may be posting this um, one guy is kind of famous for making little short gifts and not just funny people dancing or whatever but gifts of him editing a document or whatever and showing steps that are involved and uh, that's easy to share 
in something like a Twitter format, Mm -hmm. maybe make an imagery with different quotes or whatever. Um, So they have a lot of good examples here of curated content. And then they actually step you through some of those curation tools that Martin mentioned before and kind of which ones are popular and what they're good for, kind of pros and cons as to why you might use one over another. Um, because not all curation tools are created equal and you um, might have different uses for different things as you're you're curating. So Mm -hmm. definitely you can take kind of a deeper dive into each of those. And there were definitely some new ones that I hadn't heard of um, on the list. So maybe um, some things to to grow your own use of tools (laughs) in the process. Exactly. All right. Number seven and the last step in this uh, series on the Teacher Challenge EduBlog is kind of the elephant in the room, Sally, and that is figuring out how to make or clear the space on your schedule to do this, you know, to spend time building your personal learning network, uh, actually working in it, creating content and publishing it and collaborating on it or sharing it. Um, And that's the challenge. Yeah, I would expect most everyone that has a PLN and and even really appreciates it and wants to maintain it and everything, um, everyone ebbs and flows. There are mm-hmm. times when you just don't have as much time to dedicate toward um, reading and blogging and whatever it may be. Um, but basically, a, if you want to start, you can just start small and yep. you can just try a few things or one thing and make time for it and try to do it regularly. Maybe it's the start of your day that you do, you know, 20 minutes of reading and, um, you know, commit to writing a short blog post about it or whatever. Um, but whatever it is, kind of set up a routine and do it consistently and give yourself a little goal. And again, it can be really small and uh, see where it leads you. See what kind of things you discover along the way um, that says, don't give up. <laughs> just mm-hmm. um, just give it a try and see where it goes and how it grows over time. Yeah. One piece of advice here that you, you jumped over, which I really like is it says, don't be shy, you know, get out there. Uh, don't be afraid to leave a comment on somebody's blog or, uh, respond to a Twitter or retweet or, you know, whatever it is, just jump in and make those interactions because that's where that building of the network becomes, uh, a little bit easier if you're not afraid to to initiate something or respond to something and be a little bit more. Sometimes it means being a little more public than you're used to, mm-hmm. uh, but this is obviously for for your benefit as well that you're doing it. And obviously, you want to be careful and you know pick your pick your spots. But uh, that's really that's the social part of it, right? Exactly. That's the power of the internet at work for you. So we would love to hear about some of the favorite people that you follow in your PLNs. Um, if you have stories to share or, or Twitter list or whatever it is, it would be great if you would share those with, with us so we can share them with the rest of the Wells Tech community. Just email us at wellstech at wells.net or go on over to our show notes page, which is wellstech.wells.net and leave a comment or connect with our, us through social media. Okay. Sally, I think we should move on to our picks of the week. 
It's that time. It is. And I'm going to say this is loosely connected to content curation because I think uh, something I did recently uh, was good examples of content curation. So um, first off, I'm going to give a plug for the Libby app. Uh, Libby is library reading, basically, of ebooks and audiobooks um, that you can check out using your library card if your library participates. Um, I think behind this is the company called Overdrive. And um, we were recently doing a lot of traveling and spending a lot of time <laughs> in our car. So I had the thought, well, I forgot to go to the library and check out any audiobooks. I wonder if I can get any through Libby. And sure enough, there was a whole host of audiobooks that I could um, check out there. Libby is the app that you need to get access, or at least it's the one that I needed through my library, and I'm sure many other libraries participate. It's a free app, and you can do searching and kind of narrow down to what kind of books you're looking for and whether you want them in audio format or ebook format. Um, very easy and and intuitive to use. And when you pick a book, you actually check it out from the library and you have, I think, 21 days through my library to read the book and then you can return it um, very easily all through the app. Um, the two that we read recently, um, both were examples, I think, of authors who curated knowledge and kind of came together with a lot of different information and helped us kind of walk through and, and learn new things based on a lot of different sources and uh, ideas about information. Um, the first one is by Malcolm Gladwell. I'm sure many of you have heard of uh, Malcolm Gladwell. He's written some very popular books through the years. And uh, always fascinated by his writing. This mm -hmm. one in particular is a World War II story. It's called The Bomber Mafia, A Dream, A Temptation, and The Longest Night of the Second World War. And um, it's all about the bombs used in World War II. However, it's not very focused on the atomic bomb at all. And as it turns out, um, there was huge leaps in the area of the bomb site, being able to direct bombs where they wanted with um, sighting. Um, although it was kind of a failure in World War II, it definitely led to um, where we are today with bomb sighting and things. Um, they had to start somewhere. And there was a group of men that had a big dream about that. Um, they learned things like the jet stream has a big impact on bomb sighting and things like that, that they didn't even know existed um, mm -hmm. before, before this time. But then it gets into um, the challenges around the bombing of Japan and uh, it being so far away from the nearest island that they could make a military base and how far they had to fly. And, and then the development of things like napalm, which is actually probably the thing that brought the, the war to a close almost because of how much they use that. And I didn't even realize it was used in world war II. It was something I had in mind from Vietnam times, but they actually burned like 67 cities in Japan with napalm. It was very interesting. It sounds very negative, but um, really interesting, all the different components and brains and work that came together in very unique ways um, as part of World War II and the bombing efforts. So interesting. Uh, I highly recommend it. It was a great read. Um, the other one that we read was called On Animals, 
and it was by Susan Orlean. And actually, I didn't realize it, but it was only released on June 21st of this year. So it was a brand new book when I was able to check it out um, using the Libby app. And uh, it's a really fun, interesting read, again, about all different types of animals. I mean, she has had her share of farm animals, and she talks a lot about chickens and turkeys and things like that. Um, But she's also got chapters on homing pigeons and all the things around them on mules, mules that are used by the army still today in countries like Pakistan and how they um, developed a, a relationship with mule farmers. I don't know what you'd call them. People who, who, raised mules and mm-hmm. bought these huge quantities of mules from this one area of Tennessee and flew them to Pakistan. <laughs> and I mean, there's just amazing, fascinating stories in this book, just all kinds. And again, I think a really good example of how she gathered all this varying information and wrote these different essays on different animals and things. So odd picks, but fun summer reading that we really enjoyed. And I thought I'd share it with the Wells Tech community. Nice. So the Libby app needs to be connected to your local library somehow. Is that right? Mm-hmm. And then yes. they manage the digital um, checkout process. So they have a certain number of checkouts per book. Um, mm-hmm. And then they, uh, so there, you can't get anything you want anytime you want. You, It's kind of like a regular library, um, even mm-hmm. though it's a digital copy. But I got just what I wanted. It was perfect okay. for me. Yeah. So. Awesome. Okay. Cool. All right. My pick, Sally, is uh, actually something that uh, came out of our research for this podcast. And it is one of those digital content curation tools, and it is called Wakelet. And we're going to share a resource a little bit later from uh, one of our contributors to the show. Um, but Wakelet uh, is really my new favorite app, and I, I like it because it is so visual and so super easy to use. Um, Wakelet is a concept where you have uh, different, they call them spaces, so you can have your personal space. So I, I've just started with this. I've only been working at this for, for a few days, but I've uh, had enough under my belt to, to, to know that this is probably going to stick through actually the development of the course that I'm working on. Uh, but basically, it can be used in a lot of different ways. You create collections within spaces about any topics. You can upload your own image or pull an image from Unsplash or different resources so you can pretty it up. But once you go into a collection, um, and these are both private or public, or uh, you can uh when they are private, you can actually invite people into it. So it can be a closed group, not just totally private to you. Uh, and there's different um, different tools that they make available to add content to. So rather than just kind of a raw list of links, um, so I teach uh, using Moodle and that's kind of what you're limited to. You have links and you can add some description around it, but uh, that's what makes this a little bit more appealing is that when you paste something in from one of their uh, integrations like YouTube or something, uh, Wikipedia, for instance, uh, it will actually display 
uh, for instance, in YouTube, the actual video. So as you scroll through the content that you've curated or put together, you can uh, weave in uh, your own content. You can create Google Docs and add them in line here. You can create different designs, for instance. So if you wanted a more compact display or a grid or a mood board or columns that you could title, you have the ability to design that. You can add cover images. Um, Flipgrid videos are integrated. You can upload PDFs. So really almost any kind of content you can think of, you can put on in your collection. And then you simply share out your collection. You give a link and we'll put a link to that in the show notes. So for instance, I created a space called Enhancing Ministry with Technology. And if you send the link uh, to a person and it's public, they will basically see all of the collections that you put in that particular space. So for instance, Enhancing Ministry with Technology has data management, PLNs, PKM, project management, all the things that we've done. And uh, when they dig into it, they can uh, either consume the content or if you allow it, they can contribute to the content. So it can be collaborative in nature, uh, totally free. And um, it is uh, got a lot of different uses and there's a bunch of learning tools around it. So you can attend webinars. And I was surprised I'd never actually heard of this tool before, uh, before this show. They've got great examples of teachers using it for class newsletters. So you can kind of create your own header and put your own content in and videos and so on and so forth. Uh, you can obviously create a resource list, a PLN resource list to share it or to invite people to collaborate and share. You can do a whole lesson plan or a unit. Um, another nice part about it is you can um, link uh, or I'm sorry, export to PDF. So it doesn't, it's not kind of captive content. So if you want to uh, produce it in a little bit different format. You can save bookmarks. You can copy an entire collection over to your own space if you want. Uh, so if there's a, a set of resources that you really like, you can grab those as well. You can follow other Wakelet users. Uh, it's got integration with Google Classroom, with Microsoft Teams, whatever they call their classroom tool. Like I mentioned, Flipgrid, YouTube, those kinds of things. It has a mobile app. And another neat piece of this is it has an extension in Chrome, Edge, Safari, um, Firefox, so that you can uh, automatically add content on the fly. Um, so lots of neat features. They've covered, they've checked all my boxes, for instance. I was really looking for something that would allow me to share content in a visually interesting way that was flexible, easy to use free, wouldn't require somebody to get an account just to consume the content, which is huge um, and uh, give you a lot of flexibility in how you do it. And I don't know how they do this for free. Um, maybe at some point in the future, they'll have to charge for this. But right now there is, uh, you know, there's, there's no cost to this whatsoever. So very cool tool. That's wakelet, W-A-K-E-L-E-T.com. Grab an account and play with it. I think you'll like it. Sounds like a great tool for a teacher. I was thinking even if you just do occasional presentations or whatever, yeah, and you'd want to just share. That was another use case. Yep, yeah. exactly. You can so. do a presentation right from there. So very, very cool. 
Very good find. And we uh, can move right into community news and feedback because we want to do a special shout out to Michael Vlieger, who shared a wakelet with us. So that's how we kind of, and then we read about it in our personal learning network uh, research and things. So mm-hmm. um, the combination of the two really pointed you in that direction, I think, Martin. And, yep. and Mike, now Mike you have get, a new Michael favorite. gets a point. Yes. <laughs> good so, job, Michael. Thanks. And he had reached out to us actually for a second time because a few weeks ago we had talked about professional development and Michael had shared uh, the courses available through Ditch That Textbook. And I actually bought one of those courses and had a lot of fun learning a new skill through Ditch That Textbook. And he wrote back and said, you know, I've got some others that are great for professional development that are probably worth a mention as well. Um, The first one being Google's Applied Digital Skills. And we've talked about this on the podcast before. Um, Really powerful Um, well-done set of resources that that they've set up for teachers. Um, And you can use it in your classroom. There's a full curriculum that uh, teachers or librarians, even higher ed instructors can use to help their students learn digital skills. And I actually just mentioned it, I think, on the last podcast as someone was looking for faculty development because there's also ways um, for teachers to learn digital skills um, and 21st century kind of skills. So uh, lots of options here with applied digital skills. As it turns out, um, just this last week, I got a, an email that says um, from the folks that applied digital skills at Google, are you interested in learning applied digital skills with your students and want to know more? They're having a series of free virtual professional development sessions uh, coming up from July 18th through August 25th, and they're offering two different types of sessions. The first one is called Introduction to Applied Digital Skills, and it's for beginners who are not familiar with applied digital skills. It'll cover topics like the value of digital skills, a look inside the curriculum, and how to get started creating an account. And if you go to the link that we provide in the show notes, you have to sign in to your Google account to get access. Um, But they're offering that first course um, starting July 18th. It looks like it's an hour and a half total. And they have different times of day. Um, Some are at four in the afternoon. I think all the times are central time or maybe it shifts based on your your time frame. Your login, right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But uh, they have offerings through the end of July and into early August through August 4th. So there's six different times that they're going to present that first introduction um, class. And then uh, there's a second one diving deeper into applied digital skills says it's an intermediate session for educators who are already familiar with the program and are looking to take the next step. You'll dive deeper into topics related to your content area and design a plan of action to incorporate applied digital skills lessons into your curriculum with your students. And so um, again, six different sessions These uh, follow the first round of sessions. So they start on August 8th and go through August 24th. And you can sign up for one or both of the sessions if you're interested. So um, a great way to get you started with um, applied digital skills. But uh, Michael didn't stop there. He also made mention of a wakelet with numerous listings for professional development or professional learning opportunities. And uh, you can experience wakelet for yourself as there's all these different 
collections, I think is the term you use, Martin, Mm -hmm. um, where you can drill down and learn about self-paced courses, for instance, and they've put together um, a collection on that or whatever your interests are. Um, And uh, there are also, he mentioned, categorized list at the bottom. So other collections and things as well. Um, lots to dig into here if you're looking for more professional development. And then finally, he made mention of a particular website I hadn't heard of called Gold EDU. Um, it says it transforms education and helps educators use technology with pedagogy in powerful ways. Um, in particular, their make and take series um, has a Google group that you can join and be informed of um, different things that they're doing. And that's actually where someone had shared the wakelet that he shared with us. So uh, Michael recommends uh, joining this group that that's a a great resource as well from Gold EDU. So uh, lots to share in the area of professional development, especially for teachers. And we thank teacher Michael Vlieger from Risen Savior and Mankato for all those great resources. Lots of good stuff going on over there in Mankato, Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Get the sense. Place to so, be. Yep. The place to be. All right. If you would like to contribute like Michael did, it is so easy to do. Simply go to wellstech.wells.net. That's our show notes page. We've referenced it and made mention of it throughout the show. That's the place to go to find all the notes and links, et cetera. But it's also the place to go if you want to engage in the conversation. And that is easy to do by leaving a comment or sending us an email. All those links are there at the top that show where we are at. Facebook, Pinterest, Twitter, et cetera. Uh, We monitor all those and would love to hear from you. So please do that. Another thing that we'd ask you to do is if you are listening to a podcast in a player that allows you to rate a podcast or favorite it, uh, please do so. Uh, Leave a review if it's a positive one. If it's not, well, that's okay too. But uh, (laughs) uh, the more the merrier and the more people that do that, uh, the higher in the rankings it goes and perhaps the more people can find the resources that are here and hear great feedback like Michael had as well. So that's what we're doing here. And we'd love you to be a part of that process. Sally, Martin, uh, what's next in our enhancing ministry with technology? I was just going to ask you that, but I will, since you beat me to the punch, personal productivity. Um, I noticed that m- many of these are P's. I got to figure out how to make them all P's somehow to make that uh, a little bit more memorable. But that's one of our favorite topics on this show where we're taking a look at different tools, techniques, um, tips, tricks to be personally productive in this world of technology and ministry. So we're going to do that in a couple of weeks. We hope you come back to uh, enjoy that. And uh, thanks so much for your participation today with your ears and your mind. And hopefully you found something that's useful for your ministry. Come back again. Thanks, everybody.